Hello, and welcome to the Vitality Women Leading Audaciously podcast. I am Jennifer Helene, CEO of Purposeful Ventures, devoted to naturally innovative solutions for the realignment of humanity. We believe that stories connect us, dismantling the illusion of separation, causing healing. This interview will be 20 to 30 minutes long, and I look forward to sharing on Common Ground. Hello and welcome. So happy today to have Sarah on our podcast uh, to share her story and to uh, inspire us in some way. No pressure, Sarah. (laughs) I I love it. Um, Please tell us a little bit, or not a little bit, but tell us your story, you know, how it is you got to where you are today doing what it is you do. Sure. Um, well, it's a it's a, it's a bit of a long story because um, I started out when I you know right out of uh, college or a few years after college, I trained as a Shakespeare professional Shakespearean actress at the mm. National Shakespeare Theater in Washington D.C. Mm. I thought that's what I was going to do and what I was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, So I cut my teeth on standing up on stage, basically speaking a foreign language in front of big audiences, because Shakespeare in English, it takes a little bit of time for the audience's ear to adjust. So I started, I started there um, and then started doing some consulting on presentation skills and executive coaching skills and things like that on the side. And then, um, Started doing that. And then I wrote a book called Fierce Loyalty, Unlocking Mm. the DNA of Wildly Successful Communities, which Mm. um, hit the Amazon bestseller. Uh, It was number one on the bestseller list. And that really moved me into corporate space more so than I ever thought it would be. So I've Mm. spent the past eight or nine years in the corporate space, executive coaching in the C-suite, um, doing strategic um, processing, developing strategies, all kinds of things like that. And of course, then COVID happened. And just a little bit before, I don't know if I was sensing something was coming. I don't know. But a little bit before COVID happened, I kind of decided I, I didn't want to be on an airplane all the time. I'm a single mm-hmm. mom. I have two boys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's, when you're young, you think that sounds exciting, right? Being on airplanes, traveling around, staying in yeah. fancy hotels. I mean, it sounds like sounds awesome when you're young, but when you're older, it's you find out it's really just not that glamorous. Mm. So I started um, working just locally. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, and I just started working locally, really with some uh, public speaking and communication coaching um, for executive level or high achieving women, as I like to call them. Mm. And then COVID really did. And then COVID happened. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not getting on, on an airplane. And, you know, I went through what a lot of people went through. What are <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Right, <laughs> right. Right. That existential, that clarity. existential angst that we all got, you know, slammed in the face with thanks yeah. to COVID, the COVID shutdown, because mm-hmm. in life that as we knew it, we couldn't just keep doing what we were always doing because that right. just wasn't working. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, where's my, where's that cross between what I really love to do 
and where I can best serve. And then through just a, in retrospect, of course, it was exactly played out exactly as it should, but then just sort of through a very random, I think, series of events, I started working with just women speakers and executives. And when I say speaker, I don't just mean keynote speakers in front of 10,000 people. If you're standing up in front of a table of eight people, you're speaking in front Mm -hmm. of a group, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered, I, what I discovered is the women you would be most surprised. They are at the top of their game in Mm -hmm. so many, many ways, but the idea of getting up and presenting anything in front of a group of any size, put them into lockdown. Mm. It was such a terrifying prospect to them. And, you know, they're, they're, the, it is true. People would rather give all their money to the government or, you know, go to the morgue than stand up and, and, and do public speaking. Right. Mm. But it just surprised me because I thought, Oh, you know, at, at this, they're operating at such a high level that this is crippling to them. They need a certain kind of, of coaching and help to get them to the other side of this and really help them step into how powerful they are and how powerful their voice is and how they really can hold their own, own the room, own the stage, own the table, whatever it is they're doing. That's what I want for them. And so that's what I do now. And I absolutely love it. Mm, that is such a beautiful story. And I think a lot of women who are in that position and you who are listening right now might be in that position to be able to do that soul searching and find out, you know, what is it that I do best and where is the the, the need most for what it is that I do best. And I think a lot and then of people I love struggle doing. with that. That was important to me that yeah. I love doing, right? right? Yeah. There are a lot of things I'm good at. Do I want to do that? <laughs> For a living, no, I, I absolutely do not. <laughs> so I grew up just outside of Washington, D.C. My dad was in D.C. and oh, My mom where? was in Northern Virginia. So he was in Bethesda, but also in Northwest earlier mm-hmm. on. And so, um, you know, I grew up every weekend in the city. And so I know that area really, really well. And it, I it lived is... on Capitol Hill, oh half my God. a block behind the Supreme Court. So yeah, it's really, it's really different now as you know, was then, but I just uh, had that, that, that that overlap with you. And I just thought that was fun. Um, And it's interesting because I have been on stage ever since I was a little girl, I started singing the um, national anthem at the swim meet into my local community, like age four. Wow. (laughs) And then was performing at the white house. um, You know, when I was like six young citizens of America and it was really um, a huge part of my upbringing. And then I went into like, you know, church, choir, chorus, theater, um, even student government at my school, which had 7,000 children. And so I personally am really comfortable uh, speaking, but that I know is unusual. And um, finding your voice is a really interesting topic to me. Because, you know, if you are in a group and you have to sing improv, for example, I mean, like even the most sophisticated, well-trained classical singers feel very confronted, right? To just kind of enter in, in an improv way or two. I haven't, I haven't warmed up. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Actors are the same way. I mean, improv is a whole different skill. Yeah. Right. 
And in a way, when these women, when I or you or, or any of the women that you work with are standing in front of the room, there is a certain element of unknown. You know, can I remember? Can I, you know, uh, can I do this? You know, how will they respond? How will I pivot if, you know, there's so many things, but I'd love you to speak for a minute about how you help your clients find their voice and what value it serves. Sure. Um, well, I have, um, you know, this is still in the, in the, in the fledgling stages. So I have a model. I'm sure it will be much sexier after I have a chance to work with it, but there's sort of three areas that I work on that I have found are of particularly um, for women, because, you know, women, we, we communicate differently. You know, if I tried mm-hmm. to convince you that we communicated the same as men, everybody would laugh me out. Of the room. So, <laughs> right. right. And yet so often the public speaking training that's out there that people would go to was either designed by a man or is really based on a much more masculine approach to communication. And as women, we, we speak, we physically speak differently. We choose words differently. We build relationships differently. We connect differently. We problem solve. I mean, we do all the communication things differently. So what I offer is just a professional sort of alternative to some of the other public speaking kinds of training that is out there. And the three areas that I focus on with my clients, I focus on internal mindset. Mm -hmm. I focus on content development, and then I focus on performance and delivery Mm -hmm. because I find, I find with women in particular that mindset piece is so critical. And yet it's not often a part of your traditional public speaking and communication training. So true. Because we get up there. I mean, I can teach you to write fabulous content. I can teach you to deliver fabulously, but if you've still got stories going on in your head, you're only going to be, you'll be great, but you won't feel great, which affects how you're perceived if you've still got these, you know, stories going on in your head. Yeah. And then the connection, you know, for me, it's all about impact. Everything I think, say, and do, it's all about how can it be the most impactful? And when we hear Brene Brown speak, right, yes. I, I, it lands like in my being, you know, and it's like it shudders throughout me. So, you know, I'm laughing and then I'm crying and then I'm, you know, hysterical. <laughs> you know, it's right. like exactly. it's all of that. It's because of the mindset piece. I think it's it's interesting. I'm so glad that you're you're mentioning. She's it because... so comfortable. I know her. I knew oh, cool. before she published her. Um, she had just published the Gift of Imperfection mm. and was working. Uh, on her next book, mm-hmm. but she is so integrated. Um, mm-hmm. She, her mindset, that's why it's so impactful because when we're holding back, the audience knows it. They may I not know. be able to articulate that, right. but it definitely impacts how they experience us. Absolutely. And yes, and she's so had when a we've got team. these stories that are keeping us sort of in a mental, emotional straitjacket, if you will, because we're still afraid, we're only going to go so far. Yeah, it's true. And what I hear behind what you're saying is also intention. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because if we're holding ourselves back, um, the, the intention behind the words and then the choice of words that we generate in the moment are going to be completely different if we're in one mindset versus another mindset. Absolutely. I feel like people use this word mindset a lot. It's almost like wellness, you know, or even meditation now. And it's like, right. this, it, it feels generic. It does. And it's like, for me to, to bring it in even more and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really about the intention. Yes. Um, you know, and, and we all carry these stories, right? I mean, there's, I don't think there's anyone, however well, you know, I mean, I've spent over a million dollars in self-improvement courses and workshops. Right. And, I know, mean, haven't we all? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's not like it's ever done, you know, right. it's just another level or there's more velocity or you can move through it more quickly. Um, right. But we all have to be in this mindset check and, and whether you're speaking to your kids, you know, or your neighbor, uh, you know, we, we, we have to kind of track and it's tricky. Like I come from a really strong, long background of yoga and they call it the seer of the scene. And now working with a coach really helps because then it, you get to reflect it back to them. Like, oh, this right. is showing up in your language patterning. Um, or I don't know actually how you do it, but right. that's kind of what I notice with my clients. And so, um, is that something that comes up where you're able to help them kind of see some of these stories and some of the patterns through the word choices or how is it? Yes. Um, where we start, actually where we start is, okay, so let's imagine you're about to give a presentation. You, you know, an audience that you would be getting up. Well, I'll pretend you're my client. So you're going to get up. You're thinking about the presentation that you're going to give next month. Let's pretend it's that moment before, you know, as a performer, the moment before, right? Oh, yes. Let's pretend it's the moment before. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? Right. Okay. What am I thinking about? Um, thinking about success and right. what that means, right? Like, like, you know, having it really be impactful and making a difference. Yes. And then kind of like not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's the conversation that I have with so many of my clients. They're like, oh, that's the moment when I'm thinking, oh my God, what if I forget? What if I fall down? What if I hear myself say, I'm an, uh, oh, what are they going to think? Who's out there judging me? You know, all the (laughs) things, right? So we start with those stories. Mm where are those stories coming from? So for Mm -hmm. example, I have a client that I worked with. She's a, she's the CEO of a, of a tech startup. And part of her job was, is to pitch potential investors, right? Because that's what you do when you're in a startup, except she was terrified. She felt like she was going to throw up every time she had to do it. And so she came to me to help her. She was getting ready for a competition and she wanted help crafting her script and working on delivery. But in the course of that, as we started to address what was happening for her the moment before, because that's where she felt like she was embarrassing herself and the whole thing was going down in a ball of fire before she ever opened her mouth. Well, come to find out that as a child like you, she was um, a musical prodigy a a, a bit. And as a 12 year old, 13 year old, she gave, you know, recitals as Mm -hmm. a child performer. Mm -hmm. And every single time 
when she came off the stage, her mother would say, you know, you were great, but Kathy was so much better. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Every time I think I'm a bad mom, I remember that story because at least (laughs) I'm not that bad. I'm sure her mother didn't mean to be rude, you know, like disempowering, but oh boy, that's tough. Yeah. But she had internalized. I'm not good enough. That. I'm not good enough. Who am I to stand up and talk about why our company is worth investing in? Right. She had to clear that before she could land. All of that had Mm. to get unpacked and untangled before and during. Like we were still working on her script and we were still working on her delivery, but we were also untangling what was um, really had her in a stranglehold. That's amazing. What a breakthrough. So it's way more than just like being a great speaker, right? It's, it's a really deep transformational work. And I'm sure that clearing that and addressing that has helped her in so many areas of her life. I mean, how could it? Uh, yes. And, yeah. you know, now she's in, you know, a nationwide famous incubator. I can't say the name of it, but she's, you know, if I said it, everybody would know. I mean, she's, cool. you know, She's like off to, off to the races, Nice, um, which I'm very pleased for her and very happy for her. (laughs) But that's sort of what I found though, even in the C-suite, what I found, like you said, I can make you a good technical speaker, right? We can work on content, hone it. You'll be good. Your content will be compelling. Your delivery will be magical. It'll be good. It really will be good. The missing piece to get you from good to Brene Brown is what's going on inside of your head. And in your heart. (laughs) And in your heart. I always, I laugh and say, you're having two conversations right before you go on stage. You're having, or right when you step on stage, you're having the conversation of the words that are coming out of your mouth to your Mm -hmm. audience. But then you've got this whole other conversation going on back here of, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm going to fail. This is Mm going to be awful. What if Mm -hmm. I forget what I'm going to say? And there's no way to be fully present with your audience if you've got two conversations happening. Right. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, so I'm just going to pivot for just a second. Sure, of course. Uh, I'm going to get back to how people can work with you in just a moment. Yeah, of course. Um, and I just, because, you know, the show is really about vitality. And I know that um, resolving these issues deep, deep, deep inside of ourselves, you know, brings us more vitality because we can be more present. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what are uh, some of the things that you do uh, to kind of cultivate your vitality um, and restore yourself and resource yourself? What are some of your, I don't know, practices? I say? Sure. Um, well, it always surprises people to know that I'm actually an introvert, not no. lying. I mean, the MT- MBTI backs me up, so I'm not <laughs> making it up. I am an introvert, which mm-hmm. means to re I love doing this stuff, but to recharge, I need to pull back mm-hmm. and spend some, just some alone downtime. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm right now I'm reading Emily Dickinson poetry because I think mm-hmm. she's such a genius and, um, you know, I do things like that. I mean, I grew up in a house we were readers. That's what we did. Oh, um, well, my mother, um, I call her my mother, the English teacher in capital letters, that's her title. Um, and so reading is one of the places that, um, 
I go to recharge and I'm particularly in, in poetry right now, just because I, I find it so interesting mm. and it's a skill set I do not have. And so I'm just enthralled with how people know how to put words together. Um, so I do that. Um, it's funny this morning, I was looking at my water supply and I was like, you're by yourself this week and you have gone through a ton of water just by yourself. I mean, I drink a ton a ton of water. And I know that sounds really basic. No, but our body is, well, you probably know better than I, what is it? Like we're 90% water or something. Yes. There's a couple different, you know, uh, ideas around it, but I've heard 90, I've heard 98. I've also heard 77. So like, you know, there's a couple it's of a different, lot. Yeah. It's over 50%. That much is for sure. It's a, it's a lot. It's yes. a lot. Yes. And so it, during a, when I was younger, I really didn't pay attention to mm-hmm. how hydrated I was. Part of that was just, you know, it was the eighties and nobody really was thinking about that. Um, but I tended to get sick a lot. And what I've now know is I was dehydrated mm-hmm. a lot I and know. dehydration will make you so sick. It so, will. So yeah. There's a great book called your body's many cries for water. And it's everything from cognitive impairment to chronic headaches, to inflammation. I mean, it's just fascinating. Yeah. You're yes. right. Well, good yes. for you for drinking lots of water. So I drink, I drink a ton. I drink water and coffee. That's what I drink, <laughs> <laughs> which are completely opposite ends of the spectrum, but uh, I know, right? <laughs> totally. Uh, which may be why I drink so much water, but I do that. And then, um, I love to cook and I love to cook. I'm not someone who can cook intuitively. My ex-husband's very much that way. He opens the cabinet and he's like, oh, we've got this. We've got this. We've got that. I can make blah. Right. I'm not like that. I have to actually work at it. Okay. Um, And I particularly love to bake, which is troublesome when everything you bake like sticks to your thighs. Right. But um, (laughs) but the reason that I love it and I learned to cook from old fashioned (laughs) Southern matriarch cooks. Nice. They, they, they took so much pride in what they made and their recipes are just, I love reading old cookbooks because to me, it's like reading literature because there's yeah. so much there. Um, so much and so I have to, history, yeah. yes. And I have to think about it. I have to concentrate when mm. I'm cooking. So it's like a, a meditation. Way, yeah. yeah. That I'll, I cannot think if I I've done it, if I think about something else, I will forget an ingredient. I won't <laughs> let something do whatever it's supposed to do for however long it's supposed to do it. I'll add something at the wrong time. You know, all the things that when you're, when you're a Southern, when you learn from Southern cooks, they're like, no, 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 no. It matters. The sour cream goes in now, not later. Right. Yes, totally. Love <laughs> because it. if you don't, it's going to turn out like this instead of that. <laughs> so I have to, it is a form of meditation because I cannot, I cannot think about anything else mm. when I'm doing it. Mm. But you love it. Uh, it's so nice. But I, I love it. And I feel sort of connected. I've lived all over, but I, when I'm cooking, I feel particularly connected to, um, my childhood home and my childhood and, you know, Mm. the adult friends of my parents and Mm. all, I feel that, that spiritual connection, if you will, to that Mm. world when I'm cooking, even if I'm cooking something far more modern that they would be like, I don't even know what that is, (laughs) but I still feel that, that connection. Cause there's still a, 
a, a precision, a precision and a, mm. a, a pride in the final product. That's so beautiful. I love learning that about you. It's, I never would have, I never would have guessed. So that's really most interesting. Most people wouldn't guess that. Um, and let, <laughs> please let me be really clear. I am not a chef. So don't be, I'll be thinking I'm some elaborate chef. <laughs> It's got more than six ingredients. I got to really think about whether or not I'm going to make it. Um, but I, but I do, I, I, I actually enjoy cooking. Yeah, me too. It's a huge thing for me. It's more about like, it's a project that I can finish because I yes, tend to have a lot of projects going on and it's like, oh, I can, I can get this done. I can clean it up. I can eat it. And it's just such a huge sense of satisfaction, mm-hmm. not only in like, you know, eating the food that I made myself, which I prefer to eat than going to any restaurant well, pretty much right. in the world. And, um, additionally, uh, it's like, it's so satisfying to complete a project. Yes. Um, so I'm with has- you. I have lots of house projects just sort of everywhere in various and sundry states of completion. <laughs> I think it's part of owning a house and also part of being yes. a single mom, which I am too. Yes. 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 You get halfway through something and then somebody needs something and you have to drop what you're doing and then you just somehow don't get quite back to it. Yeah. So if somebody <laughs> is looking for um, guidance on how they can become a better speaker, but it sounds like it's, it's more than that. It, it's about how you present yourself, how you're showing up. Um, and, yes. and who you're being, which is a huge part of, um, of the coaching that I learn and I practice as well, but it's translated into, you know, being able to deliver, um, yes. your ideas in a way that are, that's more impactful. How do people find you? How do they work with you? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, they can go to my website, which is www.sarah with an H Sarah Robinson.com. And I have two ways that I work with people, depending on where they are and and what their immediate needs are. Mm -hmm. I have what's called a one-on-one private masterclass experience, which involves a lot of pre-work. Then we have a 90-minute session um, that's recorded. And then there, I follow up with what I call director's notes, which is what, you know, you always got after rehearsal Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you're in plays, you always got your director's notes Mm -hmm. um, and some next steps and some guidance. So if somebody's got a a presentation coming up that's specific and they know what they want to work on, that's a great option because we're working in such a focused way. Mm -hmm. Then I have a three-month program that's also one-on-one individual um, coaching program. And we work on all three of those areas that I talked about. Um, The mindset, we work on content and we work on performance and delivery. Um, And really how much time we spend in each of those areas is dictated by my client Mm -hmm. and what needs sort of surface Mm. as we, as we were, as we work together. So so those are the three, yeah, those are the three, I mean, the two programs that, that I have for working with individuals. Nice. Well, I really appreciate um, knowing more about this because I, I, I myself have gone to different speakers bureaus and different training programs, and they have felt very masculine, you know, in terms of the way they're structured. And yes. uh, and so this is a really, really exciting and valuable. We offering. move differently. I mean, we, we yeah. move differently. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, just uh, anything you want to leave our listeners with in terms of something they can take away. 
um, in terms of their body language or how they're showing up? Um, just any nugget of wisdom you'd like to, to leave our sure, listeners? Sure, sure. One of the things that I I tell people a lot is because people always ask me, what do I do? What do I do? I feel so nervous. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I mean, that's what people say. <laughs> what can I do? Um, and one of my very favorite tips, I actually got it from Shonda Rhimes. Um, you know, she's the showrunner for Grey's Anatomy, for um, How to Get Away with Murder. She's just, she's in a powerhouse in Hollywood. So you would think of all the people who would have their game on go walking into pitch meetings in Hollywood with a bunch of guys, it would be her. She'd already have her game on. She doesn't, she gets scared just like everybody else. So the first thing I want to say is let's normalize that. It's fine and normal. You're not weird because you feel nervous. But one of the things that she does every single day for five minutes, she stands up, she spreads her feet out to um, sort of hip width. She puts her hands on her hips. A Wonder Woman pose. And she does Wonder Woman yes. for five minutes. And five she does minutes. Five. Oh. She makes herself do it for five minutes. Love that. Wow. Um, because she says five minutes is just long enough for me to get uncomfortable and keep doing it. Mm. That's awesome. What a great bit of advice. Totally. Everyone can do that, right? It's easy to do. Um, <laughs> if you've got a big presentation or a big anything coming up and you've got nerves, do that and you'll be it's, but it's a muscle. She does it every day because it's a muscle. That There's even be research behind this. Yeah. That yeah, has mean, to be strengthened. You can't just do it right before you go on and think that's going to make a difference. It's a muscle that you're developing by practicing it every single day. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. And uh, may many, many women be empowered by uh, and through your work. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer-helene.com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be of value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.